Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash plearnmc. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. And I'm Courtney. And we are back. We're back. To do what, Matt Shay? Uh, we are going to go through the do-do's and don't-do's of personalized, of personalized learning. learning. That is right. Hey, how has your summer been? It has been outstanding. There's been lots of changes, but basically okay. it was summer. It was summer. Likewise, changes, good things summer all good things right absolutely all good things and speaking of good things we're changing things up a little bit this year yeah we are doing uh some more series type yeah yeah so we thought about how can we so this is year five guys season five What? What? (laughs) crazy So we were kind of, we were thinking about like, how do we, how do we go to the next level with this? What do we need, you know, what needs to be different? How do we, how do we grow? So the plan we came up with is that we're splitting the year into three sections and each section will have kind of a larger focus and then we'll dive deep with um, kind of subtopics related to that post, that um, topic. We'll get interviews with uh, amazing thinkers and leaders related to those topics, and we'll see how it goes. How does that sound? I think that sounds pretty darn good. Yeah. So we decided that the first section of this year, our first trimester, if you will, we're, we're going to split the P Learn MC school year into trimesters. The first trimester is going to focus on collective efficacy. Well, here's my first question. Yeah. What the heck is that? What the heck is collective efficacy? I well, guess that's why we're doing this series first. Yeah, all. that's why we're doing this series because it's actually, it's a relatively new um, trend or movement or idea um, that has come about in, in the past couple of years. And um, I had the privilege of helping to put on a conference led by uh, Jenny Donahue who is the author of the book, Collective Efficacy, How Educators' Beliefs Impact Student Learning. And she also has some follow-ups to that, doesn't she? So She does. She has two other books after it. Sounds like she's the expert. She would be the expert. I'm (laughs) going to call her the expert. That's a good idea. So what is so what is collective efficacy, right? It's this term, I think, if we like parse the words, we can kind of like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Collective, lots of people together, mm-hmm. you know, efficacy, how how effective we are. And yeah, that's pretty much it. But here, let me read from uh, her book, the first chapter here, what is collective efficacy? So collective teacher efficacy refers to the collective self-perception that teachers in a given school make an educational difference to their students over and above the educational impact of their homes and communities. And to go on, when teachers share that belief, it outranks every other factor in regard to impacting student achievement, including socioeconomic status, 
prior achievement, home environment, and parental involvement. Okay, so we're gonna go through that in a little bit, some of those, what those numbers mean. But here's my first question for you, Courtney. When we talk about educators having beliefs that they can help students, that seems fairly obvious, right? Yeah, totally. However, there's always a however here, since there are books and books about collective efficacy, it must go a lot deeper than that because I believe I can help kids. Right. Yes. Okay. You're totally putting the the nail on the head. Right. So do my colleagues, right? Yeah, of course we believe that. But do you believe that all together, all of you to working together can make a difference that surpasses all of those other influences on children's lives? Well, you know, I can, but maybe not my colleagues down the hall. Exactly. Oh, strike one, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. No doubt. Yeah. Like, and I think, you know, this is a question that people ask. Well, kind of like, yeah, I, I believe I can make an impact on my teachers, but it's not about individuals. Right. It's about the whole school community believing that as a group, they can work together to vastly improve learning and that they have the ability to do it. I think collective efficacy really plays in it kind of ties in all these different theories about you know if we think about kind of the theories on hope from um uh making hope happen if we think about uh growth mindset and carol dweck and if you think about uh professional learning communities it's like collective efficacy kind of puts it all together and says look all these pieces are great individually it isn't gonna fly it's when everybody in the building or the, the learning community shares that, the sense of efficacy about themselves and their colleagues that the differences really happen. And, you know, I want to kind of reiterate here, right, that the impact is far beyond. It outranks every other factor in regard to impacting student achievement. Okay, so let's let's get into those a little bit and let's yeah. talk about what, what impact means and what effect sizes are. Uh, so effect sizes are something that John Hattie uh, is very strong in the educational world about. Uh, he wrote a book called Visible Learning and that's where all these effect sizes come from. And what an effect size does is an effect size emphasizes the difference in magnitude of given approaches for purposes of comparison. Okay, so if we're going to compare things, uh, we need to put some some like relative numbers on it here. So basically, right. if you have an effect size of zero, it means whatever you're doing, whatever that influence was, has no effect on learner achievement. Yes. That seems very easy to understand. Yeah. Negative means it's harming. <laughs> yep. Don't do those. <laughs> Don't do those. Anything, <laughs> and anything above zero is having some kind of impact. Right. And so, the, the larger the, the effect size, the more powerful the influence, of course. Yeah. Right. So what is it like a normal effect size, Courtney? Um, According to Hattie. It's like 0. 0.4, right? Like 0. 0.4. Yeah. That's your typical effect size. He says that an effect size of 0. 0.2 is relatively small. Right. Uh, an effect size of 0. 0.6 is large. Right. It's, that's good. Yeah. So the number for collective efficacy you said, well, it's got to be high, right? Because you said it was number one outranking everything else. Yeah, yeah. So it is it like 0. 0.65, 0. 0.7? That seems yeah. like huge. I know. It's actually higher than that. So what? yeah, before we reveal the number, um, so one thing that Jenny does in her conferences, which is such a great um, 
thought experiment, she puts up kind of all the common factors. A a spoil, spoiler alert if you haven't gone to one of Jenny's conferences. A uh, good call. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe, no, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not taking nope, this Sunday yeah. away from Jenny. You're right. You're nope. right. Well, we already gave away the number one answer. So we will, <laughs> uh, we're giving away a lot of answers. Here. We're giving away a lot, but it's, sorry. <laughs> it's still a cool process to yeah. see the, the eyes go like, oh. So collective right. accuracy, the effect size, remember we said 0.4 is typical, 0.6 is large. That number is 1.57. That's insane. That's insane. In <laughs> fact, it's more than three times as powerful as socioeconomic status, more than double the effect of prior achievement for a learner, more than triple the effect of home environment and parental involvement, and it's more than three times as likely to influence learner achievement as learner motivation and concentration, persistence, and engagement. All the buzzwords. Right. This crushes and it. It does crush it. And I also can't help but notice like all those, uh, the socioeconomic status, prior achievement, home and environment, parental involvement, those are all external factors that educators don't have control over. Right. That is, off, they often become the scapegoat for when learners aren't achieving. And so that's, that's kind of one of like the pivot points for understanding collective um, collective efficacy is that in environments with high collective efficacy, the teachers don't do that. Right. They don't rely on those external factors as explanations or scapegoats when learners aren't succeeding. Right. Well, I was thinking back to what you what we talked about at the beginning was that this doesn't sound that hard because of course I believe that all kids can learn. Right. And then you start thinking about well, you know, those kids might not learn as much because, you know, their home environment environment isn't that good. Or, right. you know, they're, they're just, you know, they're, they're tough learners. They're a little bit behind. And suddenly that all kids can learn is now broken down into, well, most kids can learn. And then it's, well, some kids can learn. And then it's like, well, I don't really know if I have an effect at all because it seems to be just natural talent. And now right. you've totally degraded right. everything. Right. So it's kind of a nice way to think about efficacy in general. Like you can think about self-efficacy um, is like, it, it's kind of, um, it's your beliefs that guide, that end up guiding your actions, right? It's like your filter. So if you believe as a teacher that you have little to do with the learner achievement, right? That all those other things can overpower you, that's going to manifest in your practice and you won't see strong achievement and strong gains, especially in learners that um have other struggles right right so then the reverse is true so then collective efficacy is saying well if you take the mindset that you do have control over that over what happens in your space in your room and you can control and overcome these influences these external influences then um it in fact does happen okay so i can see that some teachers are clearly fully on board with what you're saying yeah but it's, uh, I think it's very clear by now that collective efficacy means it's all of the people in the school. Yeah, that's hard, isn't it? That's the harder part. So how does that begin to happen? So Jenny talks about how there are kind of four sources of, um, of efficacy in, in, in an organization, in a school, in a learning community. Okay. Um, so these are kind of, um, I'll talk about these in order of their importance or like, you know, their impact um, okay. to building the sense of collective efficacy. So the first one I think is super obvious. It goes right along with 
everything we know based on like learning sciences and student success and um, achievement. So the number one source is mastery experiences. So when a team or a group experiences success, it breeds success, right? Seems pretty obvious, I would say. Yeah, that one this seems pretty great. obvious. Yeah. When you try something and you do it and it works, it gives you that motivation and that sense of um, uh, uh, capacity and ability to do it again and take more risks, right? We, that one we all understand. This okay. next one I love. For as a, you know, as a coach, this one speaks a lot to me because um, this is part of what coaches do. Okay. Uh, so the second one is vicarious experiences. Okay. So this is when groups of teachers or teachers see other teachers with similar opportunities and challenges experiencing success. Okay, so to me, okay. I think of this as like what, you know, watching a coach model. This is visiting someone's classroom. This is going to visit another school and kind of seeing what's going on. And I've seen this happen. And you have too, Matt, when you take people or you go on a school visit with people, like the excitement that comes out of it. Yep. And like the one piece of it that I really think more about now is like the, the others with similar opportunities and challenges. And I think that that piece can easily fall away and it, become, it can become easy for a group, probably more likely a group that has low collective efficacy to look at an example or visit somewhere and then immediately say like, oh, well, not us, right? They're different right. because. Yep. Um, so I think that just kind of points to leaders that um, it's incumbent upon us to highlight those similarities, right? Okay. And make sure teachers are seeing those when we're taking them out on visits or when they're visiting other people's classrooms and things like that. Well, that makes sense because the one thing you've talked about in our, in our past shows is uh, making it explicit right? What yes. you're talking about, not just assuming that everybody is getting the same picture that you're getting, but actually calling it out, making it explicit. So it drives it home a little bit. Uh, that works for our learners, but that works for our adult learners also. Oh yeah. And I think that's a great opportunity to connect those two that this isn't something different. This is just doing a lot of the same techniques that we do in our classroom, right? but making it explicit in this case. Right. Okay. So yeah. what is another source? Um, another source is social persuasion, not surprising. So this is, right, this is encouragement by respected, incredible sources, trusted um, colleagues. So That sounds great, Courtney. Yeah, Matt. <laughs> Are you persuaded? I'm persuaded, thanks. Awesome. I respect and think you're a credible source. But <laughs> <laughs> so you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> that totally makes sense to me also is that if yeah. you see if you see people that that you that you respect I, I wouldn't say you know like or anything because you can you can like some terrible people right <laughs> but you know if that's a person that that you're like yeah I they get it and they're doing it and they're encouraging you that means a lot more than just your average schmo yeah yeah I totally totally get it yeah um, and then the fourth one is effective states. So these are the feelings um, that all of us have that are associated with our own perceptions of our capabilities or our, short, our shortcomings. So this to me is total growth mindset, fixed mindset. I was gonna say, this is like the hardest one. 
Yeah. I would say by far, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of, I think there's a, well, I'm going to speak for myself as an educator. Uh, a lot of times uh, I feel like I don't know what the hell I'm doing half the time. And I know that goes on to the kids somehow. Totally. You know, yeah. you can fake it till you make it, they say, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's a tough one right there. That's a really hard one. And that one's very internal, right? So that's, that's a hard one to um, really impact from the outside. Um, but yeah. I don't know about, you know, no one knows what they're doing, right? That's, that's what I tell myself <laughs> when I feel like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, good. I'm right with you. You know what? No one really knows what they're doing. We're all just kind of doing it. And, uh, and then at some point you do know what you're doing and it's great. So maybe I just have a stronger growth mindset. I think that's solid. I think that's, well, I think that's, I think you're right. I think that's something that people can uh, be affected by those, those other three sources, especially when you see others having that, that effect that it's going well. Uh, You know, you're, if you, if you have a growth mindset at that point, isn't it seem that you would be encouraged at that point? It's like, wait, maybe I do know what I'm doing. Yeah. Maybe this, maybe something I did does work. And right. just it, it kind of it kind of revolves around itself a little bit. Yeah. So th- if those are the four sources, and I want to go to a school or a community that has has some good collective efficacy, what what are the behaviors that I would see if I go into that that particular environment? Yeah, that's great because you won't necessarily see those sources happening, right? But we'll come right. back to those sources throughout this trimester because that's where leaders have to kind of put their effort into crafting experiences and crafting the way towards collective efficacy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so if you walk into a school, how do you know if it's a high collective efficacy environment or not? So uh, here are some of the the behaviors, right? The visible things you're gonna see on behalf of the teachers. This is not on behalf of the learners. A lot of times, and especially from Matt and I, you're gonna hear us talk about like, well, observe the learners, observe the learners, right? To really see what's going on. But in this case, you really, we have to look at the adults. Right. Uh, so one thing is there's uh, greater effort and persistence, especially when it comes to working with learners who need more interventions. Okay. Um, the next thing is that there's much more willingness to try new approaches. So you're going to see lots of innovation, right? People are risk takers. They feel safe to experiment with their practice. Um, they I, convey. Yeah, huh? I think I think that one is one of the, the key ones, right? Creating a safe yes. space that it's okay to to do that. Right. So, yes. And, and you, I think you can you can see that happening sometimes that when teachers are taking risks, yeah, uh, that that they are they're they feel okay doing that, and the kids know that. You know, if it screws up, you can just, doesn't matter. We'll just find, find right. another way. And that, that you, you see that, you can feel that in a classroom, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, like back to number one, that greater effort and persistence. It's like when they have a kid that they're kind of still, it's like a tough nut to crack. They're sitting down with each other repeatedly, keeping track of the things they've tried, looking for new things to try. It's not just a one and done kind of scenario. Or they're not like, you know, handing the kid off to someone else saying, you know, like, oh, you're the behavior analyst, um, analyst. you can figure this out. Like right. it's, they're all really trying. So the next one is conveying high expectations. This is simple, but 
not. <laughs> okay. It sounds like all of these are simple, but not. I was so eloquent. Just so. <laughs> yeah, no, this is like, you know, letting the learners know that you expect them to do great things and that you know they can and that you're going to help them get there. Mm -hmm. Like for everybody. For um, everybody. I think that's the key right there. That's the hard part is for everybody. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, then there's fostering learner autonomy, which like woot woot, that's our alley right there. That's our wheelhouse. Um, figuring out ways to give learners choice, give them ownership over their learning. Um, just really, um, what's the word I want? I don't know the word I want. Anyway, um, then we've got uh, decreasing disruptive behavior. So this kind of is one that like comes on the heels of everything else, right? Um, so when there is disruptive behavior, they're taking the greater effort, their persistence, they're trying new things, they're conveying the expectations, they're giving the autonomy, and then the disruptive behavior decreases and it can decrease significantly and it does decrease significantly in um, high collective efficacy environments. I think it relates to one of the things you just said was not handing off the disruptive behaviors to somebody else, yes. not right. just taking care of it yourself so that, that the kid now knows that you care about them Right. And that's not yeah. okay. And this is why, and these are some things you can do. And, and the kid, the kid will know that if it's not just Courtney, get out and go to go see the principal. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like yeah. you're out together. And I think you're right there where that stuff starts decreasing the behavior, the disruptive yeah. behavior, right? Uh, because you've already done some of those things that you've already mentioned. Right. Right. And then there's a sense of increased commitment to the school. Um, so you can tell that the teachers love being there and are willing to do things for the school. You know, a lot of teachers are willing to put in extra time and things like that for their, their individual students, but this is more about the, um, the community, right? right? Like they're willing to stay, you know, to help with dances. They're willing to have lots of different after, after school activities. You can tell that they love the school and that they're all about the school. And they stay there for a long time. Right. It's not a chore anymore. No, it's not a chore. Yeah. It's a place they want to be and love to be. Um, and they believe in the school and making it a, a thriving place. Um, and then the last one, which I think is really interesting, is there's enhanced parental involvement. Um, so this means like to the level of like parents being invited into the curriculum right? Beyond just volunteers and things like this. But right. this is really about like partnership. And part of the reason why that happens is because when there's high collective efficacy, they believe in themselves as teachers and they believe in the value of what they're bringing to the school and of the whole school. So there's no threat from parents. That sounds like one of the trickiest ones. Mm. Uh, but I can see where if you're seeing that in the school that that uh, parents are involved more than just the surface level stuff that you have a school that that fully believes. Yeah. So there are things that we can do. But before that, Courtney. Yeah. We have an advertiser. I know. It's very exciting. It is so exciting. Oh. For you, the listeners of Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You know what I just I, read? 
What? I'm going first here. Sorry. <laughs> I read a book. What did you just listen to? I just listened to The Outsider by Stephen King, which is a book that came out last year. I could have sworn this book came out like longer ago than that. <laughs> but I looked it up before I, before I was on this. It came out last year. Awesome. It was a great book. Fantastic book. One of the few Stephen King books that has a really good ending, to be honest. Uh, it's narrated by Will Patton, who I love <laughs> as an actor. So it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Yeah. What about you? So I just finished listening to uh, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, which is an incredible book. Um, if y'all don't know Brene Brown, you need to get out and uh, listen to her. Um, it was fantastic. And she reads the book. So that's one of my favorite things on Audible is when I can find a book that's read by the author. Uh, I love that. So, um, of course, you can go check out Audible's vast library and choose your own, not just the ones we like and not just, you know, school books and professional books. Read fiction like Matt. Yeah, you need some time to yourself, believe me. <laughs> You've earned it. Exactly. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash plearnmc. Hey, that's us. That's us. <laughs> Again, that's audibletrial.com slash plearnmc for your free audiobook. And thank you. So when we talk about collective efficacy, uh, we've talked a lot about, about some of the sources, some of the behaviors you see when you go into those environments. But what yeah. can we do in order to, to help ourselves out there as a listener or yeah. as ourselves? What, what, what can we do? Okay, so here's where uh, we're going to tease you a little bit. So there are six enabling conditions, according to Jenny Donahue, that um, are the areas that a school community can focus on and leaders can really work through to increase collective efficacy. And so for the rest of this trimester on our podcast, we're going to be taking deep dives into each one of these. But for right now, we'll just kind of give you like the overview of what each one is. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, so the first enabling condition is advanced teacher influence. Okay. So Matt, can you explain what that is? So I think advanced teacher influence, uh, we can define that by the degree to which teachers are provided opportunities to participate in important school-wide decisions. Okay. That makes sense. That does make sense. Okay. So like what day is taco day, right? Oh, that is like number one important right there, <laughs> without a doubt. Let's go with taco, should we have, taco should we have Wednesday. Potluck, potluck or catered? Yes. Oh, most yeah. definitely. <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, you missed us. All of you, you missed us so much. <laughs> and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's another condition? Another condition is goal consensus. Okay. So this is coming to consensus on goals, right? Um, so everybody agreeing on it, not just central office or the principal saying, hey, this is the goal. Right. Um, a third one is uh, teacher's knowledge about one another's work. I think this is huge. Well, yeah, if this is one of those enabling conditions, this is this. Uh, the first two there, I think, are pretty, I think some teachers are nodding their heads right now like, yeah, we, we do this and there's shared leadership and that sort of thing. Yeah. But now this is when you talk about your peers' ability to impact student learning yeah. when you have more knowledge about what they do. Yeah. So you need to basically start watching other teachers, yeah. observing them, talking with them, 
engaging with them. So we don't have one of those beliefs as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast where I can do it, but I don't know about uh, Courtney down the hall there. (laughs) So this, this one's a big key right here. Yeah, that's a huge one. All right. So then the fourth one is a cohesive staff. And so cohesion is the degree to which teachers agree with each other on fundamental educational issues. When I was looking at this one, preparing for this, I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. As an as a district administrator, Matt, that's like, yeah. uh, it's like, yeah, that should be easy, right? No problem. Got, you know, a few hundred teachers. Yeah. We all agree on fundamental educational issues. Holy right. moly. This is the question that people always ask, or people often ask, not always, but pretty often. I hear it quite a bit. Um, is how do we get everyone on the bus? And what do we do when someone won't get on the bus? Right. Yep. That's this right here. That is this one. <laughs> That's what I think about all the time right there. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to another one. Right. Moving on. Yes. So uh, <laughs> the fifth one is responsiveness of leadership. Um, okay. So talk about that. All right. So now you're getting the, the principals and the, uh, all the people that are in charge of the school involved here. Uh, so they could show concern and respect for their staff. And I really like this part where they protect teachers from issues that detract from their teaching time and focus. Mm. So all the extraneous stuff that teachers are made to do sometimes because of that's just what we've always done or. Oh, that. Wait, hey Matt, I have to interrupt you for a sec. Okay. Um, can you send your attendance down to the main office, please? Okay. Yep. Let me, let me get to that one. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. That didn't, inter- didn't interrupt my flow at all. <laughs> Uh, so yeah (laughs) yeah so there's a lot of things that leaders can actually do if they really think about it to alleviate some of those things yeah and it looks like we have one more condition left yeah the last condition which this is the only one that really like directly is about the students yep effective systems of intervention we say it all the time but it's it's relatively hard to implement it is especially if you don't have a high collective efficacy because Agreed. no one person can do it all themselves right no so, one person can do it themselves but also it is easy for one person to derail all of this yeah uh, especially with systems of intervention if you have a system in place that you're school-wide and there's one teacher uh maybe named matt that doesn't want to go along with that one uh yeah then the whole thing just falls apart, right? Yeah, you don't have a cohesive staff then, Matt. Well, that's just what I was going at because you hear all the time, well, you know, I just, I just don't believe in that sort of thing, so I'm not gonna do that. Right. I don't believe right. it passes. Yeah, so, so one thing that's important about all of these conditions is that no one comes before the other, but like in order to write the book and in order to talk about them, like Jenny had to put them in some kind of an order. So no one is more important than the other. There isn't one that's like, this is where you start. It all kind of depends on your environment, right? You have to personalize it to meet the needs of your learning community. That sounds familiar. I don't, I, it's, I've never thought of anything that way before. (laughs) But, and so just for ease of um, understanding and ease of following along the podcast. And if you end up getting her books and you're kind of using our podcast as like a little, you know, uh, 
cliff notes or a little like companion to the book, we're going to go in the same order that they're listed in the book and the same order that we just listed here. Yep. I but think that makes, that makes you total can, sense. Yeah. You can start anywhere with any of these and you can jump around. It's about, um, it's about being a responsive leader. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> so those are going to be our next six pods coming out over this fall. Yeah. Uh, not all at once. We're, we're not Netflix. No. Wait. No, we're not. not yet, Courtney. What? <laughs> Growth mindset. Growth mindset. Uh, so that is our, uh, I, I was going to say short preview of what collective efficacy was. And I look up at the clock and it's been a little more than short. So yeah, that's okay. That is okay. So we're going to have some more coming out soon. And uh, we'll have some cool surprises happening this fall also. Yeah. Um, and you never know if we just put out some random thing that we want to talk about that doesn't have to do with collective efficacy. It could happen. It, it could happen. happen. So make sure you subscribe. Yes. Make sure you write a review. I met one of our brand new listeners about a week or so ago who wrote a review for us. So thank right. you very much. Uh, so I think the word is spreading. So share this with a friend. Uh, if you like what you hear and if you've listened this far, either you're asleep or you must have. <laughs> and hey, listen, if you're still with us for season five and you haven't actually written a review on iTunes yet, it's time. It is time. You can do that <laughs> right now, right from your phone. It's really easy. So it helps us jump the charts a little bit. Uh, it, and we'd like to be, uh, We'd like to be out there a little bit more. Yeah. So, um, yeah, follow us on Twitter at KingLearnMC. I'm AskAlolaNC. That is at Stacks. And uh, we'll talk next time. It doesn't matter what we're alone.